0: Hello, and welcome to the Zircona Growth Insights Podcast, bringing clarity to the complexities of consumer behavior. Episodes feature industry experts, partners, and guests across the 26 industries we track, representing nearly $4 trillion in global consumer spending. Our goal is to give you transformative insights and the most complete view of consumer and market opportunities. Hello, and welcome to Growth Insights Podcast. Today I'm joined by a couple colleagues, Ben Arnold and Ashley McCann, who I'll introduce, but we are going to be talking about what happened at CES. Um, And this comes off a conversation that I had with Ben in December about what he was anticipating um, he would see at CES. Ben is the executive director, industry analyst, consumer technology. Ben has been covering the tech industry for more than 15 years, and in fact had worked at CES at one point, so he definitely knows that show inside and out. Ben focuses on video, audio, and connect at home. And Ashley McCann is our audio analyst and executive director who helps manufacturers and retailers navigate the evolving audio industry. She has a special emphasis on headphones and headsets, things things like sound bars and speakers. Um, So, Ben, you and I spoke at the end of 2023, ahead of CES, and I want to find out, I know that you and Paul Gagnon actually spoke um, at CES, so I'm wondering if you could just kick things off by telling us what your presentation was about, and maybe that'll set the tone for our conversation.
1: Sure, Joan, and it's great to be back with you. Uh, Paul Gagnon and I give a presentation at the CES Research Summit uh, titled Navigating the Consumer Technology Market. And the title is actually very appropriate uh, given all the, the challenges that we're seeing in the consumer electronics industry. Um, and the focus on our talk was really about finding opportunity, uh, dissecting the challenges and empowering companies to, to find their uh, piece. Uh, of the, the growth opportunities. Uh, we actually started our, our talk with uh, um, an analysis of what we call uh, innovation, uh, looking at new products coming to retail, and uh, we're able to look in our data when a product is on the shelves versus when it's off. If there wasn't a product last year and there's a product new on the shelves this year, we count that as a new product. Well, over the last three years, we've seen the percentage of new products coming to retail uh, decline. So there are new, you know, there are fewer new products on the market for consumers to invest in. And I think that's been one of the challenges to the consumer technology market is just a, a lack of new things to buy, a lack of uh, uh, new products that can, you know, capture the imagination of consumers. Um, Something else that we talked about, which uh, is very important, is some of the shifts that we're seeing uh, in demographics, uh, particularly among millennials and Gen Z consumers who have been especially challenged by the kind of uneven economy over the last two or three years. Um, And they have their own kind of buying habits and what we saw was that these consumers, while spending is down overall, they are spending more on certain categories, uh, categories related to gaming, which makes a lot of sense. Those, uh, that demographic is very into gaming uh, and also products that are connected to digital creation. So cameras, camcorders, accessories, uh, graphics cards, um, those categories were up amongst the Gen Z and millennial group. Um, and then finally, we talked a bit about the changes at retail uh, and how, uh, especially in our industry, more of the volume is being sold uh, through e-commerce. And what does that mean for retailers going forward? And what does it mean for targeting uh, specific groups of consumers going forward and, and being in tune with their buying habits? So it was really an analysis of, okay, here are the, 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 challenges the obstacles facing the industry. Um, and here are some things that we're seeing in the data, which we think you know provides some opportunity uh, for companies in the space. Um, and uh, I think the the sort of where we ended in the the conversation was that innovation is very important. Um, and innovation is certainly about new products coming to the market, but it's also about, kind of reframing how you position existing products and how can you sell an existing product to maybe a new demographic of consumers which is something else that's going on right certain groups say older consumers may have skipped uh, technology de- generation maybe some of them haven't stepped up to 4k TV uh, maybe some groups have not invested in a voice speaker so there are opportunities out there I think to kind of reframe some of these products and technologies uh, for some of these up and coming audiences that we're that we're tracking.
0: That's awesome. So, Ashley, for you in audio, are you seeing kind of the same thing? You know, that innovation hasn't quite been um, as strong as it had been maybe years before. Tell us what's going on there.
2: Yeah, we're seeing something very similar in the audio categories where most of the innovation is really centered on improvements to the existing technology or the existing features. We haven't seen a lot of new or exciting things to pop up and really drive consumers to upgrade their products earlier or even enter the category. If we think about um, some of those Demographic groups that Ben was mentioning, we think about the millennials or we think about the Gen Z group, Um, some of the categories in audio, like the legacy home audio categories, um, even turntables is a good example where we got a younger generation into turntables and they started buying vinyls again and we brought that category back. Some of the home audio categories are similar to that, where we've got to find a way to get some of those younger groups in there and interested in these categories and bring new consumers into some of these categories. Um,
0: so it's like finding the Stanley Cup of the yeah, tech world, right? Right. <laughs> we need one in audio. Um, I so, think the yeah, table is a fantastic example. I have a millennial I, son who we had to buy him records, vinyl records. Well, we didn't yeah. have to. We chose to buy him vinyl records for Christmas. Yeah, see, it's like,
2: what? What we did many years ago has come back around. That's the way the trends work in fashion and apparently in tech. Um,
0: I like the way both of you are talking about, you know, reframing your consumer engagement and trying to find new ways of connecting with these audiences. But I am a little struck by The lack of innovation, and maybe this is where you can tell me what you saw at CES, because that is the big innovation showcase, isn't it? So, Ben, let's start with you and tell us a little bit about some of the innovation. Like I know when we had talked last, things that you expected to see were tech for health, uh, maybe tech for pet. Um, you mentioned that you know AI was going to be the thing at CES. So tell me if your if your insight ahead of the show kind of came to fruition. Like how did that how did that shake out?
1: Well, uh, certainly on the AI side, I think that trend uh, shook out uh, even in the days leading up to CES. A lot of the news I was hearing was that. AI would be front and center as a strategic trend at CES. It would be everywhere. Um, I got to the show. I started seeing some some products. um, And the narrative shifted a little bit to, well, actually, AI is, is everywhere. And a lot of times you may not even notice it, right? AI is built into your smartphone to offer you, you know, better recommendations when you're searching for something on on Google or uh, when you're trying to find something to watch on Netflix. Um, you know, those are examples of, of AI. When we think about AI as built into a, a product or hardware, which is generally what we track, consumer electronics, uh, that was a little bit harder to find, but uh, there was you know, no shortage of excitement around you know, what this could be. A great example, and, and maybe some of our listeners heard about this, is uh, Microsoft making a change to the keyboard and adding a copilot button, which is uh, you know Microsoft's kind of version of Chat GPT um, as a you know, chat bot, actually adding a button on the keyboard so that uh, users can activate the chatbot. Um they very rarely change the layout of the keyboard. So this was a, a pretty significant. Innovation uh, that we saw at the show, something new, something that was different. Um, so that was interesting in that it gave some insight as to you know how how much people might be using it. Um, if there's a dedicated button on the keyboard, you know the plans are that users are going to use that that chatbot pretty often. Um, another example that I thought was pretty cool was. Uh, Volkswagen announcing that ChatGPT would be built into their vehicle systems, and so if you're driving around trying to find the nearest Starbucks, of course it can, you know, do something that like that for you, uh, but can even uh, accomplish even deeper queries uh, that you might be looking for. So I thought that was very interesting, and I felt like any AI. Advancements that were in consumer products would be a little more around uh, the chatbots or you know, delivering sort of voice-cued information to uh, to people, and that's exactly what we saw.
0: So for the for the chatbot, like in the car, okay, maybe you're being a deeper thinker than wanting to find the next cup of coffee, but on the keyboard. Does it take, is it like a button that automatically takes you to a site or to Microsoft's chat?
1: Function? It's a button button that uh, it uh, activates the application. So it opens the software uh, on whatever you're working on and is kind of a companion there for you.
0: So AI was big, but it wasn't, to your point, it wasn't a cool gadget. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the cool gadgets that you saw. Um, I am curious about what you did see that led you to think that innovation was maybe making a rebound or that there was, you know, product innovation was going to be making a rebound. Anything, Ben?
1: Well, a lot of the energy I felt was in some of the kitchen appliances. I know that we have talked in the past about one of the themes at CES is kind of the, you know, the tech health home angle. Um, and that's something that was loud and clear at the show um, and something that I take an interest in uh, because it's it's new and, um, you know, it's not just a device with a screen on it, but uh, products like the, I saw the BarSys 360 Cocktail Robot, uh, which is a machine that mixes drinks. Um, you put in the ingredients and Tell it what kind of a drink you want it to make you. Um, and it's kind of like a keurig machine for cocktails. And as I think about uh, my home, and I don't have a bar in my home, mostly because we don't want to look at bottles, um, but this machine is something that looks nice. It's a you know a, a home furnishing, and it you know provides this service of <laughs> it's a robot that makes cocktails. So you go wrong. Can't you can't go wrong. Um and and I think when we think about CES, we think about products like that. The, the cocktail making robot. So um the the cocktail robot I thought was was pretty great. Uh, there is a stir-fry robot from a company called Tech Magic, which is actually for restaurants, but it's a robot that makes stir fry. So <laughs> Uh, There were some very interesting innovations on the appliance, food, kitchen side. Um, Maybe there was a little bit more momentum on that side than on the classic consumer electronics side, Uh, but those were some of the products that that really caught my eye. Um, Maybe another one that I'll add here is uh, there was a lot of um, home electrification products, so whole home batteries that... Uh, your home can run on if the electricity goes out. Um, they also store power from solar panels that are on your roof. Uh, there were a number of uh, electric generators that had solar panels on them. Uh, so that was, you know, maybe not as sexy of a trend as a cocktail making robot, uh, but certainly something that you know provides a, a value to consumers. Um, and as everyone is buying electric vehicles, uh, certainly on trend with what's, you know, what's what's happening in terms of mobility and things like that.
0: But Both of those things do make total sense to me. So first of all, um, I love the idea of the, you know, the kitchen help, if you will. Um, and I, I even think that there's been like other cocktail machines out there, maybe not robotic, but definitely cocktail making machines with pads. But Um, This sounds like the next generation. We know from a lot of the work that we do that particularly with hybrid work, you know, where people are working from home some days but working in the office other days, that we're really leaning in more towards efficiency in the kitchen. You know, we're looking at those um, things like the air fryers and the Instant pots to do more of the work for us. And I know, you know, our colleague Joe Darachowski is always talking about how big appliances can start talking to each other, like almost having the refrigerator tell the stove, hey, I've got all these great ingredients, we can make X for dinner. That's gonna come.
1: That's the promise of the smart home, right? That yeah. all of these intelligent appliances will be talking to each other and just you know, provide all of this convenience, make it easier to figure out what's for dinner, make sure that our our homes are, are the air is clean, that the floor is clean, That's the promise of of all of this.
0: Even with the electricity and the home power, that jives with the movement away from gas. People are replacing their gas cooktops and stoves with induction heat. So to me, it's almost like maybe cleaner energy and it's um, replenishable as well. So, yeah, I get that. Um, Ashley, how about you? What types of innovation do you see? And one that I actually want to touch on is that there was a big change in 2023 where hearing aids um, became available over the counter. And I'm wondering if that has opened up new technologies, new improvements, or again, to your point, is it maybe just more consumers who are willing to buy into that market?
2: Hearing aids was really interesting this year because I feel like we saw so many of them at CES last year. Um, I saw a lot of them again this year, but many of them were behind closed doors because now that they've got the over-the-counter, the the ability to sell them over-the-counter, there's still a lot of approvals and certifications and, and such that's needed for that. Um, so a lot of companies had them kind of behind the curtain still, and they're excited about them and they're coming, um, but they can't talk about them quite yet. So we saw there were still a lot of them out there. Um, there was a lot of new and improved versions from some of the companies that are that are in the market currently, um, and there is a tidal wave of them coming from companies that don't currently have them on the market once they get the approvals that they need to release those but so that's that's definitely still coming on a similar note and kind of back to the ai thing a little bit um there were a lot of sleep related products with headphones and it, again it's not something that's new but it's something that we are starting to see more of so like little earbuds that you use when you go to bed and they can read your mind and help you kind of kind of lull you into a sleep and help you sleep better and track your sleeping patterns um, and that kind of thing. So an AI that we're aware of, but again, like Ben said, it's another one of those kind of hidden AI things.
0: You need to tell me what you mean by little earbuds that can read my mind.
2: I don't know if I even want to know <laughs> what it means, but they're supposedly tracking your brain waves. And okay figuring out what you need to get some rest
0: Oh, that's and maybe well. that's exactly
2: what we all need
0: <laughs> I do I think that that is and you know that kind of goes back to Ben's um forecast if you will or outlook if you will on tech for health because mm-hmm. to me there's nothing that beats a good night's sleep so is there something that you didn't see at CES that you had hoped to see
1: I thought that I would see some more virtual reality headsets. Last year at CES, there were a number of headsets. The the market is pretty much dominated by by one brand. Um, So I thought that we would probably see some more competitor products uh, at CES. I didn't see a lot of competitor headsets and that could be um, because the market is is so solid with the Meta brand. It could be because the Apple Vision Pro is coming and uh, companies are, are waiting to see what that does to the market. Um, but what I did see were a lot of smart glasses. And so smart glasses, kind of the difference between smart glasses and say a virtual reality headset, you know, smart glasses are a pair of glasses, lightweight, uh, and they project an image on the lenses that only the the wearer can see. So. There were a number of smart glasses from companies like TCL, um, another company called Vuzix, which has been in the smart glass company for, for smart glass uh, industry for a while, um, and a lot of the functionality on those products were um, giving me notifications from my phone, right, putting them right on the the glasses so I can see who texts uh, without having to look at my phone. If we think about the the early days of the smartwatch. That's really what smartwatches did in the first, you know, one or two iterations of the product. Um, It transmitted messages and different information from your phone to your wrist, and so you didn't have to take your phone out. But now, you know, smartwatches are very much health and wellness and fitness devices, and they've added all these sensors and different capabilities. And I think that's the same type of ramp up that we'll see with smart glasses. There are a couple that are focused on. Uh, watching content. So you think about you put on a pair of glasses and a screen is, you know, a TV, let's say a TV screen is overlaid uh, on the lenses and that's what you see. Well, you can kind of simulate a hundred, you know, a hundred inch screen through your glasses. So there are a couple of companies that are working on smart glasses that are just for watching video content, uh, which I thought was very interesting. So not a lot of VR headsets, but a lot of smart glasses uh, from companies. And then maybe a, another trend uh, that I expected to see a decent amount of activity around, but um, I saw more than I expected, uh, was around digital creators. And right now we're in a little bit of a revival in the digital camera market. Think about the last time you bought a digital camera. It was probably a while ago, and Most people haven't bought a digital camera in a while because we use our smartphones as kind of our our main camera, our main camera device. Well, we're seeing uh, stronger sales of digital cameras, and it's really being driven by what we call digital creators. So people that are making video content, other types of digital content for YouTube, for social media. And, you know, that's led to stronger sales of cameras and, and accessories So, one major theme that I saw at the show was around creators and uh, companies like uh, Insta360 making uh, kind of these smaller GoPro-style cameras that could be easily mounted when you're uh, snowboarding or jumping off a cliff, which are two examples that I saw of of videos of of people using those cameras. Um, And I think, again, it, it feeds into this larger trend around people creating things digitally, using cameras, using their computers to to edit and add different effects. Uh, And that was a a very interesting trend uh, that we saw at the show. And maybe lastly on that thought is uh, some of these creator cameras are now um, 360 and virtual reality capable. So you can actually film your own content uh, with one of these cameras with a special lens on it, a 360 degree lens, Um, And actually consume that video, that content on a VR headset, and it will be totally immersive. So the trend around VR wasn't necessarily around new headsets. It was around some of the ancillary product categories near it, uh, but a lot around creating the immersive content with different types of cameras, which I thought was super interesting.
0: So Ben, I feel like I've got comebacks for all of this stuff. So like (laughs) for the the digital cameras and the the you know for the user generated content, it's like everybody's an influencer and it's like oh my god that's a little overwhelming. And the smart glasses makes me laugh because oh I can't wait to save that head nod from not looking at my wrist or my phone and just looking straight ahead. (laughs) And I'm thinking of all the people who I might encounter. Who look so dazed and confused they're probably watching reruns of the office and <laughs> i should just leave them alone i shouldn't assume anything you're I, painting I, an interesting picture for me
1: there's there's honestly no better product for ces and when you describe it like that um, <laughs> I, I think i think this is a, a perfect trend for uh the ces show for that reason <laughs>
0: Maybe I'll go next year. Maybe I'll go next year and I'll start taking notes. Um, No, you guys, that's your job. You stick with it. Um, I want to wrap up by just kind of giving a little bit of an outlook because tech has been down for the past couple years. And I know that from many conversations that we've had, that some of it is cyclical and that we're looking at replenishment cycles coming up in 2024 and 2025. And I know that's very different for products across the board how do you see tech faring in 2024 and on top of that was there enough at ces or enough that you feel is coming down the pike that you think consumers will increase spending um this year so ashley why don't i start with you on that sure
2: um you know speaking for tech Broadly, I think our general thought is that, you know, the first half of the year could be a little bit tough and and we'll see a little bit of rebound in the second half of the year. And that's certainly what it's looking like for the audio categories. Um, When we think about that, uh, that refresh cycle, that replenishment, replacement cycle, that longer cycle comes into play when we think about soundbars and the rest of home audio, where we upgraded that home entertainment stack during the pandemic. That's a product that can hang around for a while. You don't need to upgrade it regularly. Um, that's got a refresh cycle similar to TVs. So we're not quite there yet on sound bars where we need a new soundbar. Um, and we're, we've kept a close eye on attachment rates to TVs and soundbars, And we've seen a little bit of movement there. So sound bars is still going to take a little bit of time to recover. Um, but we're starting to see some signs of life again in soundbars. When we think about the other side and the portable audio um pieces, they, they kind of reacted a little bit differently during the pandemic period. So they don't and they don't have that same kind of replacement cycle where it takes five or six years to need a new pair of headphones. People are buying two pairs of headphones a year. Um so headphones continues to be one where we see constant movement, um, constant replacement, constant um multiple use cases for it. So Um, Headphones is more undergoing a shift between form factors. We saw a lot of um, improvements to technology in all of these categories, existing technologies, um, and and that's going to certainly pique some people's attention, especially consumers, more of the audiophile side of consumers who are really into that audio quality and getting that premier experience with it we'll see some of those people start to come back and start to respond to some of the things that were talked about a lot at CES. Um, and again, maybe in the second half of the year, we'll see some life back in that headphones category.
0: Great. Right. Ben, how about you?
1: I think that a lot of what's going to bring our, our industry back, is it has to do with consumers. It has to do with uh, their needs, uh, what they're into, what they're doing. That's why I think the creator thing is so interesting because uh, I, we were seeing declines in digital cameras, 25% year on year. Right, the category was just way down, but a new trend perks up with consumers, and we, you know, we begin to see sales grow. Um, so I, I think what's going to carry our industry towards growth is going to be. Keeping up with the trends that consumers are into, uh, certainly the refresh cycle that we talked about plays into this very heavily. But I also believe it's about giving consumers new products, uh, getting them excited about products, uh, and and delivering on those experiences. A lot of the categories that, that I cover are still kind of emerging uh, they're maybe popular with certain demographic, demographics of consumers, uh, maybe less popular with other demographics. Um, so how do you kind of bring that interest or that value to everybody? Uh, I cover the like the smart home category. So security cameras and smart lighting or right? a lot of products that you can control with your phone that pretty much stay at home, stay installed at home. Uh, what's going to take that industry from a uh, 59% household ownership to something like 80%? It's about reaching out to new groups of consumers and talking to them about the the advantages of the products. So I, I think what we're looking at in 24 and 25 is uh, you know a, a reemergence of demand. Really being driven by that upgrade cycle, um, but also delivering on some of these new products and experiences um, and making sure that those products again, are kind of in line with what consumers are doing. you know I think that's the the biggest thing is what what is popular with consumers, what are they doing? what matters to them? And I think if we are able to take a look at that, um, that will give us a better roadmap for what products to push, you know, what to market, how to price things, where to sell them. I think it all starts with the consumer.
0: You know, and I think that um, going back to that home power that you talked about, to me, that almost sounds like an infrastructure. So it would be built not only into new homes going forward, but that people, I think, would want to adopt because it just feels like it's a better option for them, for the environment, you know, things that are, are really kind of ticking. So I, I appreciate that. And um, I did hear, I think this may be, Ben, I want to just reiterate something that I've heard you say before, that really for 2024, there will be some growth, you know, maybe about 2%. And um, Ashley, you specifically said it'll probably pop in the second half of the year. So it's uh, it's not as down as it has been, but um, I hope that we can kind of beat that 2% you know, so we'll see. So, I want to, again, reiterate some of the things I heard, and that is, like, the opportunities that do exist, even though innovation isn't quite there, um, by focusing on the consumer, and, you know, are you the creator, to Ben's point, or are you still adopting some of the products that have been out there? Um, Those are big questions. If you're not innovating, Um, which everyone should be innovating. If you're not, how can you become the Stanley Mug of the technology industry? Um, So I think that these are great points, um, that opportunity is still there, even if the big bang innovation um, didn't really pop at CES. So with that, I want to thank you both for your time, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.
2: Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the Sarcotic Growth Insights podcast so you don't miss
0: an episode. And let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'll serve it up in a future episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review zirconic Growth Insights. Want to learn more? Visit us at circana.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.